Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. You're on Homo Ground on BeBoxRadio.com. This is Scantron with episode 125. Shook from slumber, we dance right through the day. 
You are listening to Homo Ground on BeBoxRadio.com. You just heard the song Morning Star by Hannah and Maggie from New York City. The duo just released their third studio album called In the Company of Strangers last month in February, and they've got some shows coming up. They will be playing Saturday, uh, March 22nd at the Seafood Shack in Delaware. They will also be playing Sunday, March 30th in Somerville, Massachusetts at The Burren. Tuesday, April 8th at Rockwood Music Hall in New York City. And Saturday, April 14th at Harmony Live in Holly, Pennsylvania. You can find uh, links to their website to find more tour dates and more awesomeness about them at homoground.com slash episode 125. Stick around, I'm going to be playing some more tracks from that album. And also, um, we've got an interview with Humble Tripe, who was in town from North Carolina and Boston. And they came into the studio um, down in Dumbo, the B-Box Radio headquarters. And we did a little interview, and they played a few songs for us. So stick around, you'll hear that later. And a special thanks to Adam from Old Time Religion Hour, who is coming up next after Homo Ground, so stick around for that. And also, we launched the first episode of Homo Ground TV this past Monday, March 17th on Time Warner Cable and Verizon Fios in New York City. You can also watch the episodes um, on the Brick website. Uh, We have links to it on Homo Ground. I think it's like brickartshouse.com. And yeah, so this is a thing that we're doing now. So this past week, we featured music videos from Clinical Trials, People at Parties, Thelma and the Sleaze, and a brand new music video from Julia Weldon. Plus, we had her in the studio with us, had a little chat, uh, she played us a few songs, and yeah. So, um, check it out, and if you don't live in New York and don't have access to TV, you can watch it whenever we post it up on the internet. So, we'll keep you updated on that. Coming up, I've got the songs The Final Straw, To the Road, and Home As We Know It, off of In the Company of Strangers, by Hannah and Maggie. I think that we should talk And not the same old talk We always had when you get sad I just walk away I think that we should yell Well, I know it sucks But it's hard to tell if we're okay When you insist there's nothing left to say
gonna make you say it first Well, honey, this is gonna hurt You know that I don't like confrontation So I'll take my time Think that we should wait it out But there's no need to scream and shout Well, you're gonna hear me That's your call, I don't care anymore. Or if I did, those days are numbered now. Maybe it's just our time. The opposite of when the stars align. We decline and then we take our
She came
Today we have Humble Tripe in the studio at Bbox Radio. You're listening to Homo Ground. We're going to talk to them a little today, and we're going to hear a few songs. I'd like to welcome Sean and Stud from Humble Tripe. Thanks so Thank much, you. Lynn. Hey, how's it going? Great. Good? Great. So you're in New York today. You played the American Folk Art Museum last night, and tonight you're playing um, at Pete's Candy Store in Brooklyn. That's right. So are you in town um, for a tour, or just in town to play these shows? Well, we, we do our touring kind of in piecemeal now. Piecemeal? So, um, so usually we're, we're on tour every month, and uh, we pick either the Northeast or the Southeast to convene, and I live in Durham, North Carolina, and Stud is up in Boston, uh, and so this is our time come up north and we got uh, this show at the American Folk Art Museum uh, a few months ago and decided to base our four days out of New York on that itinerary. So we're on a perpetual tour. <laughs> the never ending tour. The never ending tour. <laughs> cool. How did you get hooked up with the American Folk Art gig? Well, we've been trying to uh, branch out into more. Uh, traditional folk music spaces. We, we spent the first few years of the band playing uh, late night bars and uh, different things like that. And uh, we learned a lot about how to play and we learned a lot about how it's going to go when we play as a duo. So when we record, we have a bunch of different folks that come in uh, and play with us on the record. But when we tour, it's usually as a duo, sometimes as a trio, but usually always acoustic. And so uh, we have been kind of looking for more folk settings, and, uh, and we found this series at the Folk Art Museum and contacted them, and they were interested in having us play, so that's how that went. Nice. It was a really nice show. Yeah, Thank thanks you. so much. Yeah. Thanks for coming. Um, are you doing more things like that, playing in museums or different spaces other than bars and venues? Yeah, we kind of, you know, when we book a tour, we sort of decide the general area that we want to go, and then we start just researching and I mean our, our first like if we had our choice we would play only places like mm -hmm. that but we also have done art galleries antique stores um, house concerts uh, dinners really anything that we can find that are interested in having acoustic music nice. so tell us a little bit about how the two of you met I know said you're in Boston and Sean you're in North Carolina so tell us a little bit about you know how you met and how you forged that songwriting, music writing, collaboration, and how you've kept that going. Well, uh, we both migrated to Durham in the early 2000s, and we were in that post, like, turning 20, early 20s age, and, um, and we had both grown up as uh, classically trained musicians. So I was classical guitar, and Sud was classical violin, and we were both kind of taking a hiatus, I guess, from our classical training. I thought I was done. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I didn't play anymore. 
And I didn't tell anyone, really, that I had been playing guitar since I was four. I, like, just didn't say anything, because I was like, that's, that's my past life. It's over. <laughs> um, and so we, um, Durham was a pretty, still pretty small number of people living there, and Seth and I were just friends because there was, like, ten people in the queer community that hung out, so we all just hung out at, like, the bar in town that everyone went to, and, like, everyone liked all people in Durham. And then I lived in Sean's attic for a couple of years, um, so we were roommates, and we hung out all the time, but we never played music or talked about it, ever. Mm-hmm. And then Stud went to Boston to go to music school randomly. I was like, what? You're playing music again? <laughs> You're leaving me? <laughs> huh. And then she left, and I went to science school, and, and then I had, like, my Saturn return, <laughs> and started uh, writing and singing and playing music for the first time. And I called Stud and was like, dude, something is happening to my body. I don't know what's going on, but I am singing and writing songs. And so I was like, great, come up and uh, do some songs. So I told myself, like, I wouldn't tell her that I was doing this until I had four songs written. And then that happened. And then I went up with, like, six songs. And we constructed a makeshift studio in her apartment with, like, cardboard boxes and duct tape (laughs) to, like, tie microphones together. (laughs) And we made a really... Wonderful. Very sweet <laughs> little, like, demo. Demo. And, uh, and it kind of went from there. So um, Melissa York from the Butchies, um, she is has been a friend of ours since we got to Durham. And Stud worked for Mr. Lady for a while. And Mel and I live on the same street. And I was like, listen, I'm playing music, and I don't know what to do. And she was like, you play music? How come you never told me? And I was like, I just didn't talk about it, but this is happening. And she was like, well, you need a drummer, so you should come over. And I was like, well, I play folk music. I have no idea what you think you're going to do. <laughs> and um, But I went over, and so uh, so when we play with a drummer, uh, we usually record, we always record with Mel. She stepped up to be producer for this last album, and she's been... Um, played an important role as a, a mentor in terms of our understanding of performance and development and uh, has been been a really great part of uh, the support team into the Pencil Trike MP. And that's kind of how that started. The, the rest of the folks got involved because I was like, oh, I need people to play with me and you're my friend, so I know you haven't played the trumpet in 10 years, <laughs> but I got one for you and now you'll play the trumpet, that <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. So it sounds like, you know, people who had um, a lot of musical experience and then taking a, a break and then coming back into it. Yeah, and then sometimes, like, our percussion player, Jess Shell, she had, she's a dancer, but I was like, you have all these instruments in your attic that you will now play in the band. <laughs> so, Good, you're yeah. encouraging them. That's right. <laughs> yeah, it's, the band definitely sort of, like, goes through different transformations. Like, for a while, it was, like, a lot of full band stuff and everybody was playing but then everybody kind of moved away Mm -hmm. so sometimes like we have a drummer here in New York that we play with if we're doing a big show or you know we'll have somebody come in and and play something with us to help round it out if we feel like we need something bigger particularly for like bigger bar shows it's hard to just be an acoustic duo was it a struggle for you both coming from classical backgrounds to kind of find your place and like find that voice and how did you (laughs) how did it end up being folk music and the type of music you're playing right now rather than you know punk rock or something like that yeah 
well, I'm a cancer, <laughs> and I'm really sensitive to light and sound. <laughs> so, um, that I, you know, I, I think when I started writing, it was, uh, I never thought I could write, you know, I would, I would try to write occasionally when I was a teen, and it was just this, like, really affected, forced, kind of like, this is what a song sounds like, and it, and it wasn't really, like, emotionally based, um, and so when I started writing, you know, I have a hard time with technology, so I was just only listening to my parents' records still, and I, I listened to a lot of, like, Cat Stevens, John Denver, uh, Neil Young, Crosby, Stills, and Nash, and I was just really in love with the, like, finger-picking style and the harmonies, because as a classical player, we, we read music, so the notes are there, and what you put into it emotionally is your thing, but also there's guidelines within the music about what's happening emotionally in the music already written, and so the structure um, is something that is really comfortable, and to just give be given, like, a clean nothing's there, you just like create something from scratch, it's totally nerve-wracking, and then, and then I think once we learned that we could use our classical skills to push ourselves musically, like, Sam, did you know that you're going to be singing and playing the violin at the same time? And at first she was like, that's not going to happen, but she's like such an incredible violin player that her body can kind of take over those violin parts to now let her do the singing parts too. Yeah, I think I, I'd, played a, I'd played in a couple of bands as both a violinist and a bass player prior to Humble Tripe, and it was all sort of sort of folky acoustic. And I think that, I mean, also at the time, there weren't really role models for playing the violin, which is my primary instrument, in like a, a rock band. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a little bit different now, like with the Shondas, Eli Oberman is a wonderful like rock violinist, mm-hmm. but I, I had never, I didn't see that, I didn't even know that that was sort of an option. Um, and so playing sort of more of a classical style was more comfortable for me. And it was definitely a stretch when Sean first came up because I had no theory. So, you know, he's saying, like, these are the chords I'm playing, and that really means nothing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so it took a while of sort of, like, f- just playing along and trying to feel it out and figure out, like, what would a violin part even do? Like, I, don't, I just didn't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, it's been like almost five years now that we've been playing together, and so... It's much easier now, and also, I mean, I think we've learned a lot more. Like, Sean can say this is in a key of something, and I can have any idea what I might play along with that. But it's also really collaborative. Like, sometimes, especially because we're far away, um, some of the stuff with the first album, Sean would send me, like, an MP3 of him just, like, playing in his room and give me a chance to kind of play with it. And then when we got together, I'd be like, this is what I've worked on. And then we'd decide if that was right, if we'd strip back on it, you know, like, how that would sort of work and the singing I'd only sung very very little before singing with Sean so that was also (laughs) that was a stretch and you had to become like a super soprano yeah and also every other time I've sung I've sung pretty low and I actually have a really high singing voice so that was confusing (laughs) to to sort of figure out and negotiate because Sean actually has a pretty high singing voice too so in order to get high you know high enough that that definitely took practice and some sort of like practicing in the bathroom with you know the good acoustics of a bathroom to get to figure out what that sounded like for me. So the um, four song demo that you guys put together, <laughs> how, what year was that? I think it was 08. Yeah, because it was, yeah, it was while I was still in school. Yeah. So yeah, it must have been 08. And then we had our like first show in 09 where the two of us played with Mel in Durham at the beginning of 09. Yeah. 
opening for the Butchies. <laughs> it was weird. It was really fun, but it was, you know. Was that the Butchies reunion show? It was, since they all lived there, it was like, I think Mel was like, hey, you guys want to do a show? Because I'm playing a show with Sean instead. And they were like, okay, we'll play a few songs. Cool. It was fun. So it sounds like when you have shows and you guys come together, it's kind of like a big reunion of sorts. It feels like that every time. (laughs) You know, when we came here to New York, our our trumpet player, harmonica player, Kaji, he lives in uh, Brooklyn now. So um, he's going to be playing with us at Beats tonight. And and so it is really nice. It's like before Stud and I started playing music together, we had only seen each other maybe once when she left. Durham, and I think one, that's one of the coolest things about it is that now we see each other regularly, and when we tour, we see, like, we usually try All to... All kinds of people. We stay with people, and we get to see people that, like, I don't necessarily have the time or refunds to go visit, but, like, since we're sort of working, because we're on tour, like, we can stay with people all over the place and get a chance to catch up with them, too. And you get, like, one breakfast together, so you just, like, really... You really enjoy it. <laughs> We have to be like a little careful when we're on tour because although we do talk on the phone like four or five times a week, when we get in the car we just get super chatty and we have to be really careful to not lose our voices <laughs> when we're on a longer tour when we're doing like six hour drives every day because mm-hmm. like we never run out of things to say. <laughs> That's good. Music brings everyone together. Right. It's fun. <laughs> so tell us about your um, latest album. So the latest record is The Giving, and we put that record out uh, last October and did a little fall touring, and then we're touring it pretty hard this year. Uh, Melissa York came on as producer, and we spent a lot of time on this record. Um, we, we started like from recording to completion, which was a well over a year and a half, mm-hmm. um, and, and so... Part of it was logistics, like bringing everybody in to record. We, me and Stud and Melissa spent a um, long period of time before we got into the studio coming down for specific rehearsals to kind of tease out all the arrangements and know exactly what we wanted to do when we got in the studio. Yeah, because all of the songs were songs that Sean and I had been playing together as a duo for kind of a while, yeah. at least a year or two. Um, so to figure out with, with Mel, like what the our capabilities were and also what we wanted in terms of it having like a bigger full band sound mm-hmm. it took a while to get those arrangements to feel you know f- to, to feel correct yeah. yeah and so so in the in the process of it the, I think the goal was to to feel like you know we wanted to highlight like for me coming into my identity again as a musician and now as a singer which was not something that I even thought of myself as when we started when we recorded the first record I think halfway through it Melissa looked at me on the first record and was like Sean you know we know that you're hurting in this song you don't have to scream (laughs) to let people know that you're hurting you can just be gentle and I was like whoa what (laughs) I don't understand you mean you you don't have to get louder to express that you're like feeling more emotion I didn't know um, so the second album, I really wanted to focus on on our like collaborative vocal abilities and the violin and the guitar parts. And then when we brought the full band into it, make sure that it was a way that was like honoring that like the duo between us and not overpowering and removing kind of the minimalism that 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 the music 
incorporates. And so, so it was it was interesting because a lot of the songs we would put like tons of stuff on it and just start peeling back the layers until we got less and less and less and less and then finally ended up with just this kind of skeleton but like every everything was had its place so it wasn't just there because we could it was a really interesting process mel is a really great producer because the way that she had us do it was to play everything we possibly could and layer it on and layer it on and layer it on and then we'd listen to it and i'd be like I don't want to say anything. This is weird. And then she'd just start pulling things out, sometimes full parts, sometimes just pieces of parts. And like Sean was saying, like just keep on pulling it apart, 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 and then maybe put something back. And all of a sudden it was like, oh, that's amazing. And it's not, you know, it was definitely a stretch to know how Sean and I did it acoustically and then have, you know, somebody else be like, no, no, we're doing it this way. But the end result was really amazing, and I feel really lucky um, to have been able to trust Mel because she did such an amazing job. Once we were able to trust her and let her yeah. do her job, yeah. it was really, it was really great. Great. Yeah. So you're currently you'll be touring um, to promote that album. Um, do you have any other shows coming up? Yeah, we're um, we're playing tomorrow night at Pete's Candy Store in Brooklyn. Tonight. Tonight, which will be <laughs> four nights ago once you listen to this um i got a show so in durham i usually do some solo shows uh, i got a show on april 11th at the pinhook in durham and then on the 26th we're going to be playing the friends fest with a full band at the high river ballroom in we go up to a vineyard in virginia get an afternoon wine tasting um at the early morning vineyards in virginia and then we go up to Brewers Alley, um, outside of DC, they have a really nice little like songwriter series yeah, on yeah. Monday nights. Yeah. And then we're gonna do a mini tour in May with Birds and Arrows. Oh, okay. Um, right. We've been Stud is like insistent on doing all these songwriting competitions <laughs> up and down the coast. Um, so in the folk world, there's like uh, a long history of uh, you know fiddle competitions, bluegrass band competitions, mm-hmm. songwriting competitions, and so. We've been we've been pushing those pretty hard, and we've been having a grand success with them, um, which it's feels really, really stressful, good. but it's really fun. <laughs> we both used to do com- competitive performance as classical players, and every time we do one, like the final ra- final round will be coming, and it's like the final three, and I'm always like about to throw up, and I'm like, <laughs> I will never do this again, stud. Never sign us up. And then like and then we do. a week later, she'll be like, I found another one. We should just keep going. I mean, it's a great opportunity to meet other singer-songwriters um, and musicians, and it's also like, yeah, just a way to like, in particular, like we did the Ashland Tea and Coffee outside of Richmond is a really awesome acoustic music um, like listening room venue, and they don't know us, so we can't just be like, give us a show. So we came and we did the competition, and we won, which was amazing. And now we're playing there with Birds and Arrows in May. So it's a really nice way to sort of network and get to know people. And also, they usually happen on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday nights, where you're going to be probably a little bit harder-pressed to get a bunch of people to come out to a show those nights. Mm-hmm. So it's like a fun way to like network and get to know people. I mean, we did the Eddie's Attic shootout and met all kinds of crazy, awesome songwriters that, you know, we still keep up with now. Great. Sounds like um, this band has really pushed you guys to kind of go way outside of your comfort zones and, like, really grow as individuals, and I think that's really cool that, you know, some people are just comfortable playing, like, the same 
kind of chords or whatever, but I like how you guys really work to make this a masterpiece, you know, a masterpiece. Thanks, Thank Lynn. Yeah. <laughs> and <I'm> crying. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, um, I know you mentioned last night you were talking about the artwork for the album. Um, mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit more about, about yeah, that? Yeah, I would love to. Um, you know, we uh, we originally on the inside of the you know, on the inside of the album, there's this really beautiful photo that Aaron Bree and Durang took of me, and we were thinking about, like, where does that photo go? Is it the inside? Is it outside? And I wanted, I, it just didn't feel like a cover for me, because it, um, so anyway, I was looking for some, for some artwork for it, and, um, and I found this, uh, picture, it was an advertising in the 1890s for the circus, and it's, these five acrobats and they're like all in the dandy dresses and they have little skirts and like pink booties on and they're like these really buff and really pretty acrobats and they're in these weird positions that are like futuristic you're like the body doesn't move like that and so I found it and I knew immediately like this is the one and you know there's this song called Acrobats Affair on the record and there's a song called Carnival Song on the record and um, and so it was, it was interesting because you were like, you know, I saw the picture and there was, you know, in the, in the core that plays in the band, there's like five of us. There's me, Stud, Mel, Kaji, and Jess. And there's five folks in the, in the picture itself. And, and we're all really buff, so. Yeah, and we're all so, <laughs> I'm huge. <laughs> um, and it was so, it was, it was so gay, you know, it was like the picture was, was so dandy and beautiful and the colors were just magnificent so um I brought it to Mel and she loved it and everybody just kind of like fell in love with it we just knew that that was that was the cover and it was in the library of congress right yeah so it was, so it was copyright free. free yeah it was amazing and and I was going through this whole like existential crisis because I was like who who would paint that picture in the 1890s like who was the guy or the lady I mean I don't know who paints it <laughs> and my roommate was like yeah, I don't know, that's weird, and I was like, and he was like, I just want to know, like, what, like, who they are, how do I find them, because it's all anonymous, and, and he was like, well, maybe, you know, maybe your past self drew it for your future self, and I was <laughs> like, oh, no, and I just, like, laid awake all night being like, I did draw it for myself, it was me, because I'm, I'm not a drawer, I can't draw anything, I can't draw anything, but I used to apparently be able to draw, so we, we just went with that, and the, and it's so, I, I think that it's been really nice for us too, like the color palette of it, and it, it's been like helpful to understand. We have to do all this design stuff now for the website, and you know, and so it's just been nice because I, it's like, just feels really connected to the music, and, and it also feels really empowering to like hand somebody the CD and be like, this is this is actually encompasses the feeling of the record. So, yeah. yeah. So what songs are we gonna hear today? Oh, I think we're going to do Carnival Song and Acrobats Affair and The Giving. Okay, nice. And what instruments did you bring today to play? Uh, I'm going to play the violin on Acrobats Affair and Carnival, and then the mandolin on The Giving. Cool. I will be playing the guitar <laughs> and singing. Oh, yeah, I'm singing. <laughs> and what was that um, instrument you had last night? That little guy is called a strumstick, okay. and um, we play that on a song called Erewhon, which we, we might be able to throw in. It's very quick at the end. Okay. Cool. Is there anything else that you want to talk about that we didn't touch on? We just wanted to say thank you so much for having us here and for coming last night to the show. It was really sweet, and um, 
you know, we, we, when we get opportunities like this to come and talk about what we've been doing in an environment that's supportive and comfortable, it's really nice. Um, it doesn't happen a lot. And so to be able to articulate things like this uh, is really, really important for us. So yeah, we appreciate thank it. you so much for having us. Yeah.
Yeah, we should have just said Rebel. When we said that, I was like, oh, okay, and now we're angry. Yeah, like, oh, God. It was so fun, though. <laughs> <laughs> it was, yeah. It was and now when I was there, he was like, oh, yeah, but they kept throwing money at me. I'm like, oh, I'm no. Like, we need money, though. We need money. <laughs> <laughs> Great, because no one can leave, so. <laughs>
Thanks for listening to another episode of Homo Ground on BeBoxRadio.com. You just heard Humble Tripe. Uh, they came by the studio. They played some songs. It was awesome. Special thanks to Adam from Old Time Religion Hour for helping out with um, the technical stuff. And stick around because his show's coming up next, and it's awesome. So, um, yeah, we've got TV, radio, and live events. Our next live event is happening on Saturday, April 5th at Friends and Lovers in Crown Heights in Brooklyn. We've got Shady Hawkins, Bad Behavior, and Plastic Passion. That will be taking the stage. Doors are at 7.30. Show starts at 8. And everything should be over by 11. But uh, stick around because we're going to be hanging out and having some fun. Um, Head over to homoground.com for more information about that. Check out our Facebook page. You can RSVP and invite your friends. Also, be sure to um, check us out on iTunes. We're at homoground.com slash iTunes. If you ever feel so inclined to leave us a review or a rating, that would be awesome. We love it. And we also do mixtapes. So check out our mixtapes series. They're put together by rad people doing rad things. And they usually sound pretty cool. So to leave you now, I've got one last song from Humble Tripe. A live performance, Sean on the Strumstick. And then fading out, I've got a little sample of our latest mixtape. Mixtape 96, put together by Rachel of Hoax Zine. Uh, the name of the playlist is called Manifest the Mystery. And you can check that out in full length and detail at homoground.com slash mixtape96. All right, see you later. Screaming and fire.
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.